Hey guys, welcome back to the Authentic Umma podcast. I'm so excited to be on here as always. And in today's episode, we're going over hand movement in our salah. So let's get straight into it. So guys, as far as hand movement is concerned, I remember in my early days when I used to go to madrasa and I would go to the mosque with my dad and my brother, we'd mainly go just for the Jumma prayers. And in madrasa, we were only taught that with regards to our hands, the only thing we could do was what they were teaching us and what they taught us was that we shouldn't raise our hands before going for the ruku that is the bowing position nor should we lift them up when we stand up from the bowing position and this was something which they had told us because they knew that there are some other worshipers who raise their hands before they go for bowing and who raise their hands and who raise their hands after standing back up from the ruku so that was the answer which they gave us they told us we could not raise our hands and then that was the correct way to do things now this was when i would not complain i would not have any arguments with the molanas with the teachers at madrasa but later on after dropping out of madrasa I had a hard time with my family and friends kind of explaining to them why I dropped out the bad relationships which I had at madrasa and why I was not satisfied and happy with the whole learning environment then eventually I started doing research online I started to watch a very popular person and his name is Zakir Naik In the beginning I'd watch some of his shorter videos and then as I got more and more into his content I started watching his longer lectures and you know his lectures go on for a couple of hours at that time watching a video of 3 or 4 hours was something which I'd never done before but I'm actually really glad that I had done that I had learned so much from all of his lectures from all of his question and answer sessions they are so interesting and i strongly suggest that if you are starting to learn about islam if you are starting to learn about the different religions of the world i suggest you go and watch dr zakir naik's videos zakir naik is what we call a dai and dai is someone who calls people to the way of god and the way of allah he had studied the major scriptures of the world's major religions so we have islam the Quran we've got Christianity the Bible we've got Hinduism the Vedas then there's Buddhism then there's atheism all these different types of religions and beliefs he had gone to the scriptures of each and every one of those and he had done a comparative study now a lot of people don't like when there is a comparative study being done but i feel that because of that comparative study because of knowing what is the best way to do things and what is the best religion i was able to guide myself to doing more research about islam and in doing so what i found was that the quran which is claiming to be a word of god cannot be any other word except the word of god and so that's kind of what i had learned a few years after leaving madrasa now coming back to raising of the hands during the salah the molanas at madrasa i don't know what was wrong with them but they did not inform me about what sunnah meant they did not inform me about what the word of god really meant and what status it was in islam because all we were told was that 
we just need to follow this book and they would not have any lessons which would talk about this book and which would give us you know the english translation of what's being mentioned in that book they would never do that for us neither did they teach me anything about hadith books they didn't teach me anything about sahih bukhari they didn't teach me anything about sahih muslim that stuff is the foundation of islam okay the hadith books the prophet's way peace be upon him those are the foundations of the religion of islam and realizing this after a few years of dropping out of madrasa I was so happy. I was so glad and happy that I dropped out of madrasa because they weren't teaching me the cool stuff. They weren't teaching me the amazing things, the things which I truly wanted to learn about. The prophet's way, who is the prophet, right? These things were not taught to us at the madrasa. And so when I realized that, I started questioning more about how I offered my salah. And after that, I started questioning more about the different worships which I had been doing. So at the time, my main worship was just the Jumma prayers with my dad. And then eventually, after going for Hajj and reading the Quran, I started to go to the mosque more often. And Alhamdulillah, today, for almost all my prayers, I offered them at the mosque. And the reason why I do that was because of this transformation which I had undergone. So when it comes to raising the hands in Salah, I had realized that the Prophet's way, peace be upon him, actually is to raise hands at the different points in Salah. Now the first question which hit me, which was, why do we raise our hands? And the best answer which I found to this question was that, I want you to imagine a situation where there is a thief or a robber and there is a policeman. And the policeman catches the thief or catches the robber. What does the policeman say? Generally speaking, the first thing they'd say is put your hands up or freeze, right? Something along those lines. And so when he does that, the thief or the robber, he immediately stops in his tracks and he just freezes. That's if he's caught, right? If he doesn't run away. So when that happens, the immediate reaction of the robber or the thief, if he's giving up, right? If he's giving in to the situation, is that he would raise his hands up and he'd make his hands visible. Now, when he does that, it's an act of submission. And this is something which it took me a bit of time to realize. But when I heard this answer, it totally made sense as to why we do it in our salah. The reason why we raise our hands in our salah, at least one of the reasons, is because it is an act of submission. It is an act of us giving up our own wills. It is us giving up our own desires, our own whims and totally submitting to the way of Almighty God. That's kind of how I think of it whenever we raise our hands in our salah. Because, I mean, Muslim is someone who submits his will to Almighty God. It's someone who puts God in front of everything else. And the reason he does that is because he understands that he is a creation. He is a created thing. And one day he is going to return back to his creator. And he is going to be judged that is put into hellfire or paradise based on how well he had listened to the creator. And so if the creator says you should lift your hands, right, through the messenger, peace be upon him, then we just obey whatever that commandment is. So likewise in our salah, I used to question why are we raising our hands? And the best logical answer which I had heard was that 
it's an act of submission. It's an act of submitting our will to Almighty God. So moving on to the different parts in our salah where we can raise our hands. And this is something which I'd realized only after doing tons of research and after reading books on how to perform salah. And what I found out is that there are a couple of places in our salah where it is actually the Prophet's way, peace be upon him, to raise our hands. So the first one is obviously when we're starting our Salah. So when we're starting our Salah, we say the Takbir and we raise our hands up to the shoulder or ear level and we fold our arms over our chest. That is the correct method to do it. Now placement of our hands, we'll be looking at probably in another episode. But as far as just raising our hands is concerned, we raise it to our shoulder or ear height and we don't touch our ears, we don't touch our earlobes or anything like that. That is the more correct opinion. So the first place is we raise it to our shoulder or ear height. Then the second time where we can do it is before we are bowing or making the ruku. So when we say the takbir to go into ruku or the bowing position, we also raise our hands then or we can raise our hands at that point. The third time when we can raise our hands is when we're raising from the first prostration. So I want us to go through it together. So we're standing, then we bow, then we stand back up again, then we go into the prostration. And when we're raising from that first prostration, that is also another time when we can raise our hands. Now, when I first heard that, I was totally surprised because I'd never seen anybody do it. Nobody has ever done that. But only after doing research and knowing that that is the Prophet's way, peace be upon him, he would do that sometimes. And so because of, of knowing that, wow, that's what the Prophet, peace be upon him, did, I started to open my eyes more and realize that I don't know everything about the religion of Islam. I don't know everything which the Prophet, peace be upon him, had done. I don't know everything which he had taught us. And so in raising from the first prostration, that's a point in our salah where we raise our hands or where we can raise our hands to our shoulder or ear height. The next place is when we're going for the second prostration. So in between the two prostrations, there is something to say. Now, maybe you guys know this or maybe you guys don't know this, but between the two prostrations, there is a short supplication which we're meant to say and which is part of the Prophet's way of saying. That is his sunnah. What we can say is Rabbig Filli, Rabbig Filli, which means my Lord forgive me, my Lord forgive me. That is one of the supplications which we say between the two prostration. There is another supplication, but I don't want to focus on that right now. So when we're going for the second prostration, this is another time when we raise our hands. After saying Rabbig Filli, Rabbig Filli, we can raise our hands again and go in for the second prostration. The next time we can raise our hands is when we're raising from the second prostration. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, would do this sometimes, as well as raising the hands before going for the second prostration, he would do that sometimes as well. So we've got raising the hands after raising from the first prostration, when going for the second prostration, and also when raising from the second prostration. Now, some of you guys may not be knowing this, I think most of you may not be knowing this, but before the Prophet, peace be upon him, would go up for the second rakah, he would first sit and make sure that all the bones went to its position and then he would stand up supporting himself with his hands. Now it's not taught a lot but this is as per Sheikh Albani's book, may Allah have mercy on him. So when raising from the second prostration he 
وسلم, peace be upon him, would raise his hands on this occasion sometimes. The next place where we can raise our hands is when we're starting the third rakah, and he would do this sometimes, peace be upon him. Then after that, also when standing up for the fourth rakah, just before we recite the Fatiha in our fourth rakah, the Prophet peace be upon him would sometimes raise his hands as well. Now another place where we raise our hands is in the Witr prayer. So generally speaking, when you are doing the Dua'e Kunut in the Witr prayer, you're meant to be raising your hands. That is the more correct of the opinions. But Witr and Kunut, that deserves its own episode sometime in the future. But with that being said, guys, those are kind of the areas where we're meant to raise our hands and which is a sunnah to do. And I'll speak with you guys in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.